Good morning. Good morning. Um, my name is David Greenhaw, and I'm, the, uh, I'm an ordained minister of the United Church of Christ, and I serve as the interim senior minister here at Naples United Church of Christ. And uh, I'm delighted that you're joining us, either in person or uh, online. And I'm Reverend Angela Wells-Bean, and I'm your minister for congregational care. Welcome also to all of you in person and online, and especially the folks who are worshiping with us from Arbor Trace this morning. We are so glad to have you. And we have some special stuff going on at both services today. We do. Uh, this morning uh, at the 9 o'clock service, we're going to have a baptism. And we're very excited, and we'll get to that in a minute with you, Tyler, so it'll be fun. And uh, in the second service, we'll be receiving uh, a new member, so uh, we're looking forward to that. So it's a busy morning in the two services, and between services, we're launching a brand new program. And I really encourage you to... Uh, to get a cup of coffee, to visit a little bit after the service, but if you're able to go to Nelson Hall, where we will have our first program called Intersections. And Intersections will take place uh, about two times every month in Nelson Hall, and uh, it's an interview format, uh, guaranteed not to be more than 45 minutes, so that you can get across the way, get in there, and then uh, greet people who are coming for the second service and come back. And the format is about the intersections and conversations about work and faith, how they go together, how one understands one's, one's uh, professional and uh, personal and religious life, how they, uh, what the intersection is on those. And that will be led uh, in every subsequent uh, event by John Bachman, a member of the church who has a background in television interviewing, having spent 25 years at uh, the NBC affiliate in Des Moines. But today, he's the subject of the interview. So uh, come meet and learn about John this morning between services, uh, starting at about uh, 10.10. Do I have that right? About 10.10. One quick bit of housekeeping. If I could ask you to register your attendance with us, which is much much less exciting than hearing about intersections, um, but important nonetheless. So please... um, Grab the red, I'm sorry, the blue attendance pads that are in the end of your pews. Pass those out and fill the fill those out and pass them to your neighbor so we know who's worshiping with us this morning. And then if you're online, if you could take a moment to write your name in the chat box to let us know where you're worshiping from so we know how far and wide our, we're reaching this morning. And while you're there, you can click on the link which will open a PDF of our bulletin so you can follow along in worship if you like. Um, if you take a look at your bulletin this morning, you will notice that our programming is picking up. There is a lot coming up in the next weeks and months, all the way through the end of the calendar year and into next year. Um, We're not going to take the time in worship this morning to go through everything that's coming up, but please look through the bulletin, find things that interest you, and make a note to join us. I do want to highlight a few things, however. Um, And these will be in chronological order. The first thing coming up this week is sponsored by the Environment Subcommittee. It is a powerful documentary um, done by David Attenborough, who many of us are familiar with, a very uh, famous British documentarian. Um, And that will be this Tuesday, the 18th at 3 p.m. So join us for for that documentary. And then the following day on Wednesday... David is especially excited about this addition to our church programming. We're having yoga. 
And so if you want to see your interim senior minister stretch and bend in amazing ways, no, I'm kidding. Good. <laughs> uh, join us for yoga on Wednesday mornings at 930 in McSpadden Hall. And that actually will be offered by our executive assistant, Kelly Farrell, who is a certified yoga instructor, but she's not going to make us do it. Yeah, so good. And then the last thing I want to bring to your attention is our first Habitat Build Day of the season is this coming Saturday at 8 a.m. You can read the details about how to sign up for that. Um, but please do um, keep your eye out for all of our build days throughout the year. But join us for this first one, for this important ministry. Well, that's just a sampling of a lot going on, um, and things are starting to come back to normal, lots of activity, and it's easy to forget Mm -hmm. that lots of people are far, far from normal, that the impact of the hurricane is profound and serious and ongoing. And we're not talking about a little bit of work for a few days and then everything goes well. We're talking about a long-term problem that needs our response. Uh, We had a second meeting this week on the hurricane response. We've gathered quite a bit of data. We've entered into relationships or checked in all of our relationships with our partners and the board for... uh, Mission and Outreach. Board of Mission and Outreach. I got the BOMO part. I never quite get the language quite right. That board is meeting this week and will continue the conversation and find ways for us to respond. Um, So we will continue to be mindful and attentive and find ways to respond. Uh, There are lots of little responses going on right now. We're working on some longer-term solutions and ways that we can participate. But one way you can participate is people are needing to replenish things that they lost. They need to go buy new clothing, new furniture. The furniture sales at Bargain Box were uh, very high this last week. People are looking for new things. If you have items that you've been meaning to give to Bargain Box, now is the time to do it. And uh, Sandy says that being part of this hurricane response, is there a need of more clothing? Uh, People who've lost their clothing and need to find more. So please make a special effort now to respond by uh, donating those things that you uh, want to and can to the Bargain Box. Well, lots and lots going on. Let us now calm for a moment, center, and prepare ourselves for worship. No matter how far we may feel from God, we do not lose heart. No matter how many obstacles we face in life and in the church, we do not lose heart. No matter how hard it feels to continually pray and work for peace and justice, we do not lose heart. For God says the days are surely coming when God will write God's covenant on our hearts. The day will come in which God will be our God and we will be God's people. May it be so as we worship our God together this morning. Join together now with me as we pray the invocation. Speak to us, Lord God. We have come to hear your word proclaimed. We seek your forgiving grace, rebuke our pride and selfishness, and replace them with humility and love. Encourage our hesitant faith and increase our confidence in your truth. 
Make this hour a time of commitment that each may go from here equipped for every good work for your glory and the glory of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I invite you to be in a spirit of prayer with me as I offer this morning's pastoral prayer. Let us pray together. God of patience and mercy, we break covenants all the time. We break promises we've made with loved ones, with friends, with ourselves, with you. We promise to do something, but we forget, or we get too busy, or we think nobody will notice, and so we don't worry about it. Humanity has broken its covenant with you time and time again, and yet you persist. You are the parent waiting at the door for us to come home, always ready to welcome us back, no matter how many times we've gone astray. We promise the next time we will get it right. You know that might not be true, and yet, oh God, you will be waiting for us anyways. Today, the prophet Jeremiah reminds us that you will make a new covenant with us. You will write it on our hearts that you are our God and we are your people. May this truth be inscribed in our minds as it is on our hearts so that we never forget it. We are your people. You reshape and reform us anew all the time. Each time we choose to help someone, to reconcile with someone, to let go of our anger, to do something kind or generous or selfless, you are renewing us, drawing us closer to you so that we do the right thing next time, so that we keep our promise. This morning, we offer a prayer of confession for all the ways we fall short personally and collectively. We offer a prayer of lament for all the ways we are suffering from the effects of hurricanes and nations invading nations, looming threats of economic recession and debilitating physical pain. For medical diagnoses, for the suffering of the planet, we cry out for all of these things and so many more. And yet we can live with complicated dualities. And so while we carry all these burdens on our hearts, we also lift up a prayer of thanks for all the blessings in our lives, for all that is going well, for these good lives we have the privilege of living, for baptisms for the life of Tyler Ariola. We offer a prayer of gratitude, O God, that you never give up on us, that you are always working with us to transform our hearts. You know all the prayers on our hearts and minds, those spoken aloud and those unspoken. And we lift up all of them in the name of your Son, Jesus the risen Christ, who first taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning's scripture reading comes from the Hebrew Bible, from the prophet Jeremiah. 
And you're invited to follow along if you would like as the text is printed in your bulletins. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of humans and the seed of animals. And just as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring evil, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. In those days they shall no longer say the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, but all shall die for their own sins. The teeth of everyone who eats sour grapes shall be set on edge. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts that I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. May God bless our modern hearing of these ancient words. When our children were in high school, we made an arrangement to go hike in the Alps. Lee had looked up a nice short trail just a few miles in length. And we would stay at an inn and then finish the second half of the trail the next day. It sounded wonderfully doable. The problem is, is that a few miles going straight up is a lot longer than a few miles going flat. We started to climb up that mountain and we kept going and kept going and I got more and more and more tired, less and less able to climb. And the kids kept going. Everybody kept moving on. They got so far ahead that they put sticks on the ground pointing the direction they went at a fork so we'd know how to follow them. We finally got to the top of the mountain and all of us were exhausted and went to sleep. A few years later, we were hiking in the rocky mountains, taking ragged trails, those switchbacks you take one after another after another, going up the sides of a mountain. And then later, our son Andrew did a semester abroad in Chile, and we went in July down to Chile, and Lee and Robert and Andrew skied the Andes in July. I also went on that ski trip. I did my usual thing on ski trips. I took a book a nice hot cup of tea in the fire, and red while they skied. And then we've also gone frequently to walk the old-growth forests of the Smoky Mountains, winding our way up in hills. I I tell you this not to let you think I'm a great mountain climber, but because all of these things happened after a significant event. Lee had gone to see her physician 
And she, just in passing, mentioned that she was a little short of breath. She was in her 40s, not to think of anything else. And the doctor said, you know, we should do a stress test. And within a week, I was sitting in a waiting room outside a cardiac surgery suite where she had heart bypass surgery. I was terrified, as you know one gets. I saw both her life ending and our life changing profoundly. But in fact, she recovered with a few bumps in the road. And we have climbed and gone on all those mountains. There's good news on the other side of that, at least in our case. During the pandemic, I had a student, a former student, make an arrangement to come do a tutorial with me. He came to my home every day, about once a month, for about a year. He came with a particular problem, and we decided to study theology and scripture together. We, I would give a reading, he'd do a reading, and we'd do a little seminar in my living room. It was really quite profound and wonderful. The driving issue for him had to do with his adult son. He had two sons, and one of his sons, for reasons he didn't know why and couldn't get to the bottom of it, decided to no longer speak to him again. He disconnected from him. He wouldn't even answer his calls or letters or reply. He completely lost his relationship with his son and knew not why or what to do about it. And it was breaking his heart. Stunningly breaking his heart. A strained heart and a surgery. A broken heart with little hope for redemption. I was the pastor of a church in New York. I was a young pastor, not now. I was a young and not very experienced pastor. I thought the world was a pretty good place. Irene was the busybody, was the kind person of the church who knew what was happening with everybody all the time. And Irene would reach out to me and say, you know, uh, Mr. Jones is going to have surgery. You might go see him. And all my pastoral calls, Irene pretty much arranged. She said that this woman, a member of the church, she gave me her name. She didn't know what was going on, but she thought it might be important if I went over and saw her. So I stopped by her home. And we visited, and the conversation was like she made me a cup of tea and drew up, brought out some cookies, and we visited, and not much happened for a while. And then she just let the story start to come out as she started to weep and quiver and shake because about four weeks before, a man had broken into her home and at knife point had raped her and beat her and abused her and stayed in the home for 24 hours before he just left. She talked to the police. She'd done all the things she needed to do. She was in counseling. I was just struck because what I encountered in that conversation was a description of an evil heart that any human being could abuse another so grotesquely, it's just evil. A strained heart, a broken heart, 
an evil heart. Jeremiah is not known for his sunny outlook. In fact, in the English language, we have a word called a Jeremiad. It's named after him. It means when you just rant and rave about things. Jeremiah, in his Jeremiads, for nearly 30 chapters of the book of Jeremiah, the man cannot see a glass that is not half empty. He's just, he's, everything is bad. Things are going to be broken down and plucked up and snapped in half. Terrible things are going to be happening. He rants and he raves and he sees no good anywhere. And he describes the downfall of Israel, the collapse of Israel, the trampling of Israel, the end of it. He, he just goes on and on. And then in this chapter, Jeremiah changes. And he brings a most remarkable word. He says, the days are surely coming. The days are surely coming. Not quite today. But the days are surely coming when the human heart that strains, breaks, has the capacity, in fact, the demonstration of evil, that that heart, these hearts, will be changed. That we won't have to be taught how to behave better. We won't have to learn to do things differently. We won't have to exercise and eat right to be better. We won't have to do all the things that there are to get a new heart because God will give us a new heart. The days are surely coming, Jeremiah says, when a new heart will be given to the people of Israel. A new heart will be given to the people of God and they will be made whole. They won't need to learn because they will know completely. They'll know from the inside out, not from the outside in. Things are promised to be different Jeremiah says, who's not much for promise, but indeed for all of us, strained hearts that we have, broken hearts that we know, evil hearts we have encountered. These these are not the way of God. It is God's intent, God's plan, God's will, God's hope, God's promise that the kind of heart we encounter will no longer be that heart, but a new heart with new possibilities, with new hope. The days are surely coming when our strained hearts and broken hearts and evil hearts will be changed. May they come quickly. Amen. Know this. Know it well. Know it from the inside out that it is not the will or way of God that hearts be strained or broken or evil, but that we be renewed, that surely the days are coming when we will know God, God will know us, and we will all be God's people. Go forth in power and in peace. Amen.